Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Bajana Pjanicek, Director of Marketing at Maze. In this episode, we broke down the function of product marketing, discussed how it impacts churn and retention, shared views on where it should sit in the company, and dove into how product marketers help companies understand user personas and their different use cases. We also discussed why Maze decided to rethink their positioning, how nailing your positioning and messaging can help attract and bring in the right customers for your business, and how you can fill your marketing funnel by asking the right questions. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With the browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. These, these it's not just gun for revenue in the door. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Bajana, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to have you today. For the listeners, Bajana is the Director of Marketing at Maze, a user research and testing platform that helps product teams collect actionable insights. They're official partners with the world's best design companies like InVision, Figma, Sketch, Marvel, and Adobe, and have more than 15,000 designers and product managers from companies like Salesforce, Microsoft, and IBM using their product to power up their user testing processes. Bajan is also the Barcelona Ambassador of Product Marketing Alliance, and prior to May, she was the Head of Brand and Product Marketing at Typeform. So my first question for you, Bajana, today is, what is product marketing to you and why is it important when it comes to churn and retention? Yeah, so I think defining product marketing is something that's quite difficult. And I think that product marketing is done differently at every company. But for me, product marketing is a strategic function that facilitates growth by taking products to market and ultimately keeping there. And for me, this means defining and refining your go-to-market strategies, including positioning, messaging, developing personas. It's about bringing customer and market insights um, to the table to help inform the product, marketing and sales strategy. And ultimately, it's about like clearly communicating the value of a product in a way that resonates with the target market. And I think all of these things to some extent, impact um, retention or churn. So I think, yeah, product marketing can have a big impact on churn and retention if done well. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of the things that the biggest areas is really that awareness and acquisition stage is really nailing mm-hmm. that product positioning and uh, having the clear value prop that your users understand and get. And that's not overselling and then under delivering on the product side is like quite an important component. 
So you mentioned uh, positioning sort of being one of uh, the roles or responsibilities of the product marketer. Can you talk us through it a little bit? We've as well previously had like April Dunford on the show talking through positioning and how it is one of the central points as well. But how do you view positioning from a product marketing perspective? What are some of the things that uh, you think uh, people need to be thinking about when undertaking a positioning exercise, trying to make sure that their customers understand the clear value prop of the product and they're not overselling and under-delivering? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think for me, there are a lot of different elements, obviously, that come with positioning, but it's really understanding um, your market and where your product fits in that market. So what is the true value that your, your product delivers to a specific audience. So I think it's mapping out these different elements within the market, your product, the ideal customers, your competitors, and really thinking about how does that value resonate with your audience. And then for me, a key part of not just positioning is also the messaging. So it's about connecting all of these dots. And I think this is where product marketing really comes in because ultimately how you position your product means informs who you attract and then also make sure, like you mentioned earlier, that you deliver on that, that value that you communicated. So for me, it's about bringing in the right customers through your positioning and your messaging, and then ultimately retaining them by making sure that you deliver on the value that you initially communicated. Cool. So let's talk through that a little bit more detail as well. So one side of it is really about bringing in the right customers, understanding who they are, and that's going to be done through like good positioning. But like the positioning that what's really bringing them in is the product messaging. They The thing mm-hmm. that they're reading at the beginning, that's maybe the ad that they see or something that piques and intrigues their interest where they may be problem aware, but not solution aware. How do you go about working with your team to get product messaging in place that's really going to attract and bring in the right customers? What is your process to developing that product messaging to ensure that uh, you're delivering uh, the message in terms of what the product really provides? Mm-hmm. So I think it starts with the customers. We are actually currently at Maze redoing our positioning. And what we did, the first step that we did was actually speak to customers. So we did a few customer interviews to really understand why they're using Maze versus, for instance, an alternative solution. What is the key value that they get from Maze? And then based on these conversations and obviously also internal conversations within the organization, really understand the key values that Maze provides or any product And based on that, we um, built our primary and secondary uh, messaging. So it's really about kind of through customer interviews, identifying what are those values that your product um, provides. And then based on that, building messaging. Obviously, this messaging needs to be tested and validated. But I would say that, yeah, it all comes down to really speaking to customers to get their insights on why they use your product and the value that they get. For me, that is the foundation of good messaging. Yeah, absolutely. I think and using your customer's own words as well is a super powerful uh, way to make sure that you're uh, hitting the nail on the head essentially of like how they would describe your product. I think one of the questions mm-hmm. I used to like to ask is if you were going to sell our product, like how would you sell it to a friend? And just listening how they describe uh, what you do and what your product is about and uh, the value that it delivers. I think mm-hmm. it gives you some good insights and ideas into how you can actually then go about working on your own uh, messaging for your product. Exactly. Uh, 
Nice. Going through then the cycles from the product marketing perspective is uh, you've done some customer research. You've identified what are the traits uh, in your ideal customer profile. You've got a picture of an understanding now of how they communicate about your product and how you're going to communicate to them. Where do you go from there then, like uh, from a product marketing perspective of once you've understand, like you've got your good positioning in place, you're delivering a product message, you're acquiring customers. What would you say is like the next uh, thing that a product marketer is responsible for on the customer's journey? I think this really depends on the organization because product marketing teams are set up differently everywhere. But once we have the positioning identified, the messaging ready, and we have that rolled out across our um, properties, let's say we have the right landing pages for personas, the use case pages, updated messaging on the website, I would say that the next step for me is onboarding and activation. So really thinking about how do we, now that we've brought them into the funnel, how do we get them to value faster? So yeah, I would say onboarding for activation purposes is the next step on a product marketing or marketer's journey. Yeah, and essentially it's really about making sure that you're not only helping to bring the customers in, but making sure that you're activating them and making sure they're getting use out of uh, the product itself. I'm interested as well now, you mentioned at Maze that you're currently re-looking at positioning from your side and your customers like, what was the motivation that led you to want to do that? Like, why now? Why have you decided to start this uh, exercise again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I joined Maze in February, and from day one, I knew that we had to prioritize positioning. So Maze initially started out as a user testing, so prototyping testing tool, initially only for Envision, and then we slowly added our prototyping tools. But earlier this year, we launched a new solution, which is called Discovery, and that really changed what you could do with Maze. So now Maze was not only competing in the user research and testing market, but to some extent also in the forms and survey space. Yeah, we just expanded our product and we knew it was critical to think about positioning more strategically. And this is why we made it a priority. So for us, I think um, initially at the beginning of the year, it was very clear. We were a user testing tool. Then we added this new solution, which expanded what we did. So we knew that we had to think differently about how we went to market. So I think that was the key trigger for us to rethink positioning. Yeah, so essentially your product started really evolving over time as well. You started expanding on the offering and then really trying to make sure that your new positioning encapsulated what you were doing today as opposed to something maybe being a bit outdated uh, from when you got started. How old is the company now? About two years. About two years old. Okay, so uh, fairly young as well. And you've managed to get uh, quite an impressive list of customers and uh, volume of customers too. What do you think it is that's uh, been the the magic behind it? I think that there was really a need in the market for this. Jonathan, who is one of the co-founders and the CEO, he reached out to me last year about the director of marketing role. And although at the moment our product is mainly for product teams, even during the interview process, one of the things that I said to him and one of the reasons that I ultimately ended up joining Maze was that I really understood that there was a need for this product. So even as a product marketer, I had the need to test messaging quickly And there was just nothing in the market that really enabled me to do this quickly and easily. So I think even I, as a marketer, really understood the pain and the need for such a solution. So I think this is why Maze has been so successful, because it really addresses a problem in the market to really do testing early, frequently and easily. 
Yeah, and I think what you're talking about as well is the different use cases for the product and the different user personas uh, that mm-hmm. the product has. So like you mentioned, product designers or product managers maybe having a different use case to someone in marketing who wants to test messaging. This is also something I think that falls under product marketing itself yeah. uh, in a lot of companies. And it's also probably one of the, the crucial elements in nailing uh, what you build and who you speak to and how you speak to them as well as really understanding who are your key user personas and who's your mm-hmm. ideal customer profile. I'm interested to see like maybe here at Maze or in your past uh, at Typeform, what is the process that you take when you're helping the organization understand who these personas are and uh, who's the ideal customer that you want to be targeting? Mm-hmm. So I think this goes back to customer interviews and research. So what we did at Maze for this current positioning project, we well, we segmented our user base to understand. Um, so when people sign up, they um, submit their job titles. So we did some segmentation within the user base. We looked at some key data that is related to that, so lifetime value, et cetera. And we did interviews with the different profiles. We also ran a product market fit survey to really understand where do we have product market fit, where do we not? So we did a lot of research to really understand our product market fit, to understand our current user base, to see the value that they get out of May. So I would say that it really starts with understanding who is your current, let's say, the people that currently love using your product. So yeah, I think it starts with understanding that. It's interesting that you say that as well. So I think what I got from that as well is one, you just looked at uh, out of your current user base, what was the split of roles and then just looked at other sort of data points, maybe things like you mentioned, LTV, product usage, I'm assuming just to see who was maybe more engaged or who was spending more with you. I also like the fact that you mentioned sort of the uh, NPS and just seeing uh, the satisfaction side of things. I think how people, the product market fit, because I'm assuming that's the question that you asked is if you could no longer use Maze, how disappointed yeah. would you be? Yes. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's really interesting. We actually had Rahul on the show and from Superhuman. And yeah. this is essentially how they iterated their way to product market fit was really uh, trying to understand like who are the people that absolutely love the product, what were their key characteristics and segmenting then on different variables like role, mm-hmm. industry, so forth, just to understand, okay, who these people were and what their main value proposition was. So you do that exercise, you take a look at your overall user base, you uh, try to see where you have strongest product market fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all good. And having that insight yourself and doing that research, like how, where does that work go from there, from the user personas? Like how does the company use this information? How do they leverage it uh, to make sure that uh, they get the most out of it so that you're actually building the right product and speaking the right language? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, after you use that information to develop your personas, you need to think about what does that mean for, in my case, for your marketing funnel. So different personas might have different journeys. So for me, that kind of impacts everything you do. How do you attract those different personas? What is important to them? So what do you communicate along the journey? There might be different ways to activate them because they might be using different use cases. So for me, this information, like the the persona development, the messaging specific to that persona, because different personas might have different value propositions, that really informs the entire funnel. Yeah. So I think that you need to use that information to build your funnels for those different personas from acquisition to activation to retention, all of that. 
Yeah, and I'm interested, like, from your perspective, how you see things differently at Maze versus Typeform from this specific exercise. Because I think with Maze, sort of the use cases are a lot more clear cut. There's very specific mm-hmm. use cases that you use the product for. Whereas in Typeform, although the use case is clear cut, there's so many different ways that people were using the tool itself. How did you see the difference between the two when it came to the user journey and the messaging and uh, how you had reached the, the different audience when it like with Maze, you can know you can speak to product managers and you know exactly how they're going to be using the tool and for what reason. Did you have a similar workflow at Typeform or is it really just trying to focus on the main value prop that the majority of personas met? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a really good question. And it's something that we actually talked about a lot at Typeform. And one thing we noticed at Typeform was that we had a lot of same day churners. So essentially people that subscribed and churned the same day because they knew they would only need Typeform for one specific project. And this generally was a survey. We went on a mission to educate our users on the versatility of Typeform. So all of the jobs to be done that you could achieve with Typeform. So I think there and this was actually an initiative we started to yeah, fight churn to really showcase to our users all the different things that you could do with Typeform. And I think one of the things that we talked about for a very long time was at what point do we do that? Do we position Typeform as this versatile tool where you can do anything to all of our personas? Or do we need to be more specific, the different use cases that we showcase to different personas? So when I was there, we took the approach of the more versatile approach to all personas. And then we started to customize once people had entered the funnel. So we collected a lot of data once people signed up. And then based on that, we did what we called cross-discovery. So we introduced new use cases to um, specific personas and not even just the personas, but specifically based on behavior that they had already done. So we created a flow, like if someone uses Typeform for this, then they're more likely to use this as their next use case. So it was really a showcasing different ways to use Typeform for retention purposes, ultimately. And I think talking, yeah, talking about Maze at the moment is a bit different because like you said, the use cases are a bit more clear cut, but we do have very similar issues. So we do have a lot of the, the one-off projects. There are less use cases. We do see, yeah, similar issues. And we are thinking about how can we get people to use Maze to the fullest potential because one of the key use cases is the user testing, the prototype testing, but we now also have surveys, tree testing, card sorting, five-second tests, so a lot of things that we still need to work on and how we communicate along the journey so that people can actually um, do user testing and research along the entire product development or design process. So it is very similar, although, of course, with Typeform, there are more use cases. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think it's a fairly similar challenge that both businesses probably face, similar to actually a hot where I'm at now at the moment is uh, as well when you're dealing with a lot of smaller businesses too, that mm-hmm. a, a lot of it is just project-based and it's really these one-off use cases where they're coming in mm-hmm. to do something specific in time and it's not a bigger company or organization where it's easy to transition to those ongoing use cases. I think this is something we talked about with Emmerich Gunnar as well on the show. And mm-hmm. one of the things he mentioned as well was like having the ability to segment your customers and the churn specifically for the one I think that you can impact and that you can't. So mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges I think with what you're talking about is like transitioning uh, people to use cases. It works really well in companies that 
have those use cases and can transition to mm. them or have those problems and needs. But a lot of the time, I think as well, like the smaller businesses, like they just don't have the bandwidth to do all of these things as well. So how do you view like segmenting your customer churn when it comes to Maze? And like, like you say, you do, or even a type form where you had these, a lot of users churning on day one because they came in for that very specific use case, which were most likely just small businesses or individuals trying to get started. Like, how do you view it now at Maze versus how you viewed it at Typeform? So I would say that one thing that we're doing at Maze right now is, and this is another thing that I think has a big impact on price uh, on retention is pricing. So we are actually looking at user behavior. How do they use the platform and how, or how do our pricing plans contribute to that? So for instance, the, the one-off projects, there's an alternative solution in the place called in the space called Usability Hub. And what they've actually done is, and I'm not saying this is the right solution or not for Maze, but they've offered a project-based plan that addresses the specific needs um, of design teams. So I think there a solution is looking at the pricing that you're offering, and maybe that is a solution for that specific uh, problem of one-off projects. Yeah, so and really aligning the pricing and packaging then to make sure that you're not forcing your users into a like frequency of usage that's not aligned with how they're actually using your product or need to use your product. Yeah, yeah, and uh, at me is what we're doing is we are looking at our pricing to, like you said, match the usage of our product um, with the need, yeah, with our pricing tiers. And I think one other thing that we're doing, and this is also where product marketing comes in, is a lot of product education. So we really believe um, in testing throughout the, the product life cycle. So it's really about educating people and showing them that, hey, you don't just need to test when you have your high fidelity prototype. You can run surveys, collect um, insights early. You can run tree tests and inform your prototype. So it's really around educating users of how to do testing along that product development cycle. So we really, yeah, we really want to encourage people to do it more frequently, to do it faster so that they have that iterative process along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I think like transitioning use cases and educating like people in more ways that can use your product and service is always going to uh, deepen engagement. So from a product marketing perspective, we've actually talked through quite a lot of different areas that influences mm-hmm. and impact. So we first spoke about the positioning and acquisition mm-hmm. side of things, like bringing in the right types of customers. We touched briefly on onboarding and activation, being a role of responsibility. And then now you've also introduced pricing and monetization being like another area, trying to figure out what that pricing and packaging should look like. So I think product marketing is one of those roles that sort of touches uh, all three pillars when we think about like growth levers in a, a subscription business, being acquisition, retention, and monetization. It feels like it's a very uh, central and strategic uh, role within an organization. Like, how do you see this role working and operating within a company? Sometimes you see it sitting in marketing. Sometimes you see it sitting in product. What is you, your view? Like, where does product marketing sit? How is it most effective in a company? This is a really good question. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting because product marketing really is such a cross-functional role and it touches or Product marketing works with so many different departments from products, yes, sales, and directly with marketing. Yeah, I, I think it's really difficult because you mentioned earlier that product marketing really touches a lot of different areas. And I would say that this really depends on the companies. Every company sets up product marketing in a different way. So I would say that 
where product marketing sits really depends on where it can add most value within an organization. And that depends a lot on how an organization is structured, what their focus is, what are the key challenges that they're trying to solve. I think one thing that is great about product marketers, especially in early stage startups, is that they can be used like a Swiss army knife because they can do a lot of different things. Whereas in bigger companies, a lot of times product marketing and then individual product marketers, they're a lot more specialized on a specific thing of product marketing. So yeah, I would say it really depends what I really personally, what I really like is what Unbounce is doing. At Unbounce, the product marketing team is a highly strategic team and they sit outside of product or marketing. So they really form a team that reports directly to the leadership team. They're a highly strategic team that really yeah, impact strategic decisions across the company. So I think that if you ask me what the ideal setup is, I would say that's something that I really believe in because I see the impact that they're having. And I think it makes sense that product marketing is an independent function, but it's not like that at every company because every company is different. So, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting model, definitely, because it is like glue at the end of the day that brings everything mm -hmm. uh, together and it doesn't ever really sit nicely anywhere because uh, there's always sort of that tug of war, no matter where you're at, no matter what stage. I'm interested as well, like from your side now, moving on to like a director of marketing role, like what's that transition been like for you? What motivated you to make the move? Anything interesting that you've learned along the way? Yeah, I actually think having a product marketing background is quite a good foundation to move into a head of marketing um, role. And I think thinking, talking specifically about Sherm, I thought in like the early days of my in Korea, I always thought that Sherm was something that the CS team took care of or maybe product. And it wasn't until I you know, started working in product marketing that I realized it's really a cross-functional effort. And I think that I learned a lot being a product marketer and it has given me really a different perspective on many things. And going into my new role, I knew that knowing all of this, I was going to make product marketing a priority at Maze. And I also did this, like one of the first hires that I, or one of the first positions I opened was a product marketing position. I knew that we needed to prioritize positioning. So I think that having worked in product marketing gave me a really good understanding, a really good foundation to go into a director role because I know the value that product marketing or the different areas of responsibility that from product marketing, yeah, that it can bring to an organization and a marketing. So I think it has really shaped as a director of marketing at Maze. Hopefully yeah. in a good way. <laughs> yeah, in a good way. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, because you're right. Like it's one of those things you, you get to touch on so many different elements and aspects as well. It's not mm -hmm. as focused as other areas in marketing when it comes in, like you said, mm -hmm. like an early stage startup, like a product marketer is maybe typically somebody who's uh, getting involved in a lot of different areas and has that ability to learn a lot of different aspects of marketing, mm -hmm. which really just maybe sets you up then for that next level and uh, being able to lead and uh, head up a marketing team as well, having that different viewpoints and perspectives. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, a knowledge of marketing, product marketers, a lot of times kind of the customer, the product, the messaging, marketing. And I think this is super valuable going to a leadership role. And there are areas that are not my expertise, like plan generation marketing, but I think they need to hire the right people for those roles. But I think what's really important is understanding the big picture and getting those foundations like the positioning, the personas, messaging, because ultimately they enable growth across the entire marketing team. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. I see, like we're running up on time. One question mm -hmm. I ask every guest that joins the show, and I'm interested okay. to hear perspective as well, is let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now 
and you join a new company and you arrive at this company and churner retention is not doing great. And the CEO comes to you and he asks you to help try to turn things around, but he's uh, looking to try and get results in the first 90 days. What would you want to do with your time to try and turn things around for the company? So the first thing that I would do is do some research. So understand the data behind it, segment the user base, understand who is churning, maybe you can identify a pattern and then go from there. But I think ultimately it comes down to understanding um, the data behind churn, because if you just use the churn rate across your entire cohort, you might not be able to identify some micro issues. So I think for me, that's the first thing that I would do. I would try to understand the data. And then from there, that would define my next action. So if I see that a specific part of the uh, a specific segment of the user base is churning higher than others, then maybe we need to think about, are we not delivering on the product? Are we acquiring the um, wrong users? Are we not activating them? So I think for me, ultimately, it comes down to understanding the data. And then from there, finding a plan of action. So really let's trying to get to the root cause of the problem before really dictating what the strategy should be on how to go about solving it. Exactly. I think you need to have some data so that you can yeah, decide on what kind of experiments do you want to run. Obviously, if they're looking for quick results, you'll need to run a few experiments to see what's going to work and what's not. But without the data, you're just stabbing in the dark. So for me, that would be the first thing that I would do. Cool. Nice. But you know, I think now, thanks very much as well for joining the show. It's been like a pleasure chatting to you and diving to details as well around product marketing and its influence on general attention. Is there any sort of final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Anything they should be aware of or how they can keep up to date with your work? LinkedIn. So I'm very inactive on Twitter. So if anyone wants to reach me, feel free to yeah contact me on LinkedIn or bojana at maze.design. Nice. All right. Thanks so much uh, for joining the show today. I really appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure chatting and wish you best of luck now going forward. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, Subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.